Some people tell us, never repeat a booklet. I can't, I read already last year. Hashem's there and he's providing the balance and the counterbalance. His money is so valuable to him because it's not his money, it's Hashem's money. The ability to remain calm can change your entire trajectory in life. And if you have a Yetzirah, it's nothing wrong, it's normal. If he wins, that's the problem. Welcome everyone. We're about to begin with Aziz Hashem, another Torah Savigdir podcast, TA Chat. Um, my name is Penches Wolhand, I'm the CEO of Torah Savigdir. Hi, my name is Joel Wall. I am the co-founder of Powwow Events, and I am happy to be here today. And uh, we're happy to be here because we're studying the words of our Rabbi, Rabbi Vigdor Meller. And we're going to go through a little bit past booklets, Teresa Vigda Parshas Vayishlach. So we begin with Parshas Vayishlach. This was the year 5779 and the year 5783 was the same topic. The topic is called The Everlasting Battle. And there's an editor's clarification here that was written by me that although the 5779 and 5783 booklets were on the same topic, they present different approaches and much will be gained from reading both booklets. So it's funny because in Torah Savigda, we have two different types of people. Some people tell us like, never repeat a booklet. I can't, I read already last year. And then I have people who tell me, no, every year, every week, everything should be the same. Just repeat it over and over and over until we get it in our heads. Personally for me, this is these pamphlets, these, uh, what do we call it? The bulletin, the Torah Savigda bulletin. Right, so for me personally, the bulletin is amazing because so many times you remember there was just one week that it was a crazy, crazy week. It's unbelievable what you passed it around to everybody you saw in shul. Uh, and, and and you don't remember what it was. This way it brings back, it brings back all, all the all the great tidbits from, from years bygone. So it's, it's, it's thank you for initiating this. Uh, yeah, we sent out a... We sent out a survey asking people what they think about this because it was costing us $1,000 a week to print because we print so many copies, even if it's just one page, it's $1,000. And it's $1,000 that we don't have. It's a nonprofit organization. So, so we sent out a survey asking people what they think of the Bolton, if they read it, if they enjoy it. And we got you know, 150 responses. And the majority of people said exactly what you just said. They love it. You know, they had the, they read it last year. They read it two years ago, and they want to review it. So Baruch Hashem, the feedback is good. It still costs us a thousand dollars a week, but you know, that's what we're here for. We're here to spread the the spread Torah of Ignan. Excellent. So the the topic is called the everlasting battle. So um, he, what he says is that it's interesting. He brings us a story. Rabbi Miller says that he remembers when he was a kid, he would get into wrestling matches as a sport. He would wrestle with, with classmates and other kids. So he says it lasted a minute, it lasted five minutes. What does this mean? There was a wrestling match that lasted all night long? What type of wrestling match is this? It's either I'm stronger or you're stronger. It, it, it doesn't, doesn't work like that. How could a wrestling match possibly last all night? And he explains that this wasn't an ordinary wrestling match. As Yaakov became weaker throughout the night, he became weaker and weaker because he was, he was using up all his strength. The Malach that was wrestling with him also used less strength against him. 
So the, the, the battle was at the same level all night long. There was a battle going strong. And he says, it was a malach, it was a malach. And it's a, it's a lesson for us that there's a malach that's fighting us every minute, all night long, all gullus long, the entire, our entire lives were engaged in a battle. It's like the Masilasi Sharon says, like, a person is constantly in a, in a war, in a battle. And uh, that's what life is all about. It's a, it's, a, it's a battle that's always testing you up to your limit. And that's the challenge of life. Uh, I'm not sure what Rabbi Victor's point is on, on this, though. The fact that it was, it was um, is this a lesson to, to us that the battle is the battle is, is 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 an ongoing battle that never ends. It's it's two lessons. Number one that it's an ongoing battle that never ends, and number two that it's always at our capability. It's always testing the limits of our abilities. I, I guess the other the other point is that 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 every Hashem was was manipulating the Malach, and that every move, no matter what our battles are. Hashem's there and he's providing the balance and the counterbalance. That's also a nice thought. I, I, I know I was, uh, when I was a Bacher, we went to Rabbi Akimai Shechter to, for a few to hear some Dever Chizik. So he said something. Then I heard from a different group of Bacherim that went a few years later and he said the same thing. And he said the same thing. This is something Rabbi Akimai Shechter says all the time. So he said, You should know that is a Yetzahara. And if you have a Yetzirah, there's nothing wrong. It's normal. If he wins, that's the problem. As long as you have a Yetzirah, that's it. Then you're a person, you're human. You have a Yetzirah. So that's, 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 what, that's, what, uh, that's what the Teresa Vigna is telling us here, that life is about having a Yetzirah. A lot of people don't know this. It's news to a lot of people. My challenges, my struggles, that's a Yetzirah, yeah. Some people call it mental health. Some people call it uh, um, emotional difficulty, but whatever it is, it's Yetzirah. There's something there that's out to get you, something that's out to destroy you. It's uh, enemies, it's this, it's that. At the end of the day, it's all, it's all the Yetzirah. And this actually leads right into the next year, to Vayishlach 5780, the disturbed wicked. Um, there's, there's a different lesson here, but the first lesson is, he says that Esau's issue Esau's problem was that he, 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 when he saw that Yaakov got the brachis, he went wild. He said, ah, oh, I lost it, I lost it, and he left. He, he, he went wild. Right. And, and, and Ramil is saying, that's what made him a Russia. That's what made him Esau a Russia. It wasn't that he did wicked things, that he was such a bad person. He grew up in a, we spoke about this last week, he grew up in, a, in the home of Yitzchak and Rivka. He, Avada, he said, Ramil said, Esau would walk in here today, we would all stand up for him in honor, in his honor. So what, what made him a Russia? He says the, the letters Russia, Reish, Shin, Ayin, is the same letters as Rash, which means a, a commotion. The, the fact that he, that he, he, he was rattled, he, he, uh, what does he say here? It was a, he was disturbed. He's excitable. He's not calm. That's what makes a person a Russia. You hear that? That's a Russia, as Ramela says. I think it, it's classic Ram culture again, because uh, he talks about that so, much, so often about getting excited, whether it's 
It's at work, your boss said something, at home, your spouse said something. And the ability to remain calm can change your entire trajectory in life um, versus responding to the wrong person at the wrong time can really be your undoing. So he, he used the word. He used the words, don't get flustered. Don't get flustered. And it's so hard sometimes. I heard from a, a, a Rav in Chayisha Mishpat. Um, he says, you know, Rabbanim come into Chayisha Mishpat sometimes and they feel like they have to give a psak. He says, yeah, when it comes to Chayisha and the, the refrigerator door is standing open, you have to know what to do. So sometimes a Rav has to answer on the spot. It comes to uh, the Milchig knife and the Fleischige fork. As, yeah, sometimes a rub has to answer on the spot. But when there's $100,000 on the table, you never have to answer on the spot. Don't, don't get excited. Don't hear a share this week about that. So that's the, sometimes it's the, the ability to, to, I heard a tremendous story today about your Moshe Feinstein. The Rabban Shal Kol the Egeis Moshe, that he lost his son-in-law. It's well known in the article biography. They have a whole chapter about his son-in-law and how close he was. So I, I heard this story today from uh, from a recording, from a speech that he gave. So he says over there that the night that Reb Moshe's uh, son-in-law passed away, Reb Moshe would always get up at 3.30 a.m., I think he said. So somebody saw him that night. He got up at 2.30 a.m. And he was writing his chedushim. Somebody asked him, what's your shot? You got up early. So he said, I knew that today I'll be busy with the Levaya. So I got up early. So that it's tremendous presence of mind, tremendous menuchas and nefesh to be able to do that, especially Ramosh was very close to this animal. And the fact that he passed away, it hurt him. It hurt him very much. But still, he knew his avoid is Hashem. He's writing his chidushim. He's going to be bothered with it later because of Levaya. He has to get up earlier to do it. So that ability to rise above the circumstance and to do what you got to do and to do what's right, that's, that's tremendous. That's what makes the difference in Yaakov and Esau. It's interesting, you, you're the one, you're the one um, Joel, who, who brought this up, trying to find a connection, I think two or three weeks ago, trying to find a connection between all the different uh, snippets that we go right. through here. And it's interesting because the next piece, once we're trying to find the connection, we can find the connection. The next piece, 5781, is about time and money. It's about how Sadiqim love chav kigufam. they love their money as much as they love themselves so it sort of explains the previous piece the previous piece tells you that a tzaddik is somebody who's calm regardless of the circumstances he's in how could that be how is a tzaddik calm regardless of the circumstances he's in because he always sees hashem in front of him so somebody like that when it comes to money his money is so valuable to him because it's not his money, it's Hashem's money. He always has Hashem in front of his mind. Somebody who always has Hashem in front of his mind appreciates the value of money. Let's go into the piece. Let's see what he says. He says over here, uh, there's a rich man sitting at the kitchen table counting his money and a quarter rolls off the table. He gets on his knees under the table. Uh, if you, like you say, round culture, you know this story. Uh, he gets on the table, he's looking for the quarter. Where's the quarter? His wife walks into the kitchen. The, 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 the wife walks into the kitchen and she sees, she sees Sam, the big, the big Sam, is crawling under the table looking for a quarter. What's a quarter for you? So he says, no, it's not my money. It's Hagdish money. This is Tzedakah money. 
I'm the treasurer of the synagogue and I'm counting the change. So when you're counting the change that came in for the synagogue, for the tzedakah money, so every, every penny is valuable, not just a quarter. It's, it's, it's a mitzvah. You can't, waste, you can't waste that money. So Yaakov Avinu, who took his time and spent his time turning it into money, converting it into money, it's not his, it's not his time. It's Hashem's time. It's not his money. It's Hashem's money. There's a great story from the Chavetz Chaim that the Ravig de Miller says, right, with time is money. Go on. I know the story, but there's a lot of people watching. I'm testing you. Rabbi Vigdor had a had a, a Vigdor himself couldn't go to the Chavetz Chaim. Vigdor was in um, Mir, correct? Slavatka. And he had to cross. This was also testing me, right? You were just testing. Yeah, me. yeah. To go to to go to Radin, he had to cross over some borders uh, into Lithuania or into Poland or Ukraine, whoever that was at the time. And he personally couldn't go, uh, but his friend got there. And he was looking for the house of the Chovetz Chaim. And he found the house. And he, he comes into a room, and there's three old men sitting there, just just sitting sitting on chairs. So he sits down. He thought it was the waiting room. So after a while, one of the old men turns to him and says, Who are you looking for? He says, the Chovetz Chaim. So he says, uh, I believe he said, Okay, what do you want to say? Uh, this is, it is I. It is I. And... He said that, that, that it's, it's funny because when I went to when I went to learn in Mir, yeah, um, at that time, Reb was the the current, the present Rosh Yeshiva, was was uh, he was the one for hating the Hasidic Shabbacher. So I came in and and they told me, okay, you're going to Rosh Yeshiva's son. So I I, just, I knew Reb Nassim Tzvi's son is probably also a big Rosh Yeshiva. They showed me you go into this office. I came into the office and there's a young man sitting there with a, with a white shirt, a little black beard, and uh, sitting by a computer. I figured he's a secretary. So he says, yes. I said, my name is Penchas Wolanda. Okay, and I said, I came to see the Shiva. He says, you have a shtikl toida? I said, yeah. So I, I, I'm waiting for him to motion me to go into the next room. He says, okay, go ahead. So that was my first experience. Oh, with did, you understand, did you understand that he's asking you because he's Rosh Shiva or because um, once once I started, I, I I realized I realized, and that's what it is. Yeah. So the, so this this Bacher, this American, he was American, right? He was a Ravikdas friend, and he's talking to Rav Chaim. Rav Chaim says that Amer- in, in America they say that time is money, but in reality, money is time. And that was it. That was the whole, right? That was the whole story. And that, that he sent him away, I guess. Told him to get out of here, I guess. Um, and the point was that Rabbi Victor talks about how when we make money, what we're doing is we're burning time. Time is the energy that takes us to get money. And time is the most val- valuable energy, value, most valuable resource we have. And so that when we spend $1,000 on is something we have to recognize the time that we gave up, a piece of our life that went into that. And um, I don't know if there's a connection to this piece, but especially to Hegdish money, um, especially when Sadiqim or, or, or people that are Gabbat Stuka, they're, they're managing money, they realize the sacrifice that someone put their you know, blood and, and, and sweat and tears into this money. So, yes. He goes, even though he's got millions of dollars himself, he'll he'll go searching for that quarter 
on the floor because this is this represents someone's life. Uh, money is is life essentially. And by the way, I always say this: money. People will give away their kids before they give away the money, right? Money is is what when you do a sales call, you're asking people for the most valuable resource, the most valuable thing they have is money. If you ask someone, if you call up a donor, and you say, "Hey, would you give me your two kids to babysit for a few hours?" They'll say, "Sure," <laughs> but ask him for a million dollars. You just want to on your desk in your office for three hours. Never, it's never going to happen. Uh, so, so that's uh, that's what money is. That's what the Torah says. It's, it's it's your everything. Yeah. So we we read about the the battle that the the first thing we discussed was the battle between good and bad between the Yitzhar and the Yitzhatoyv that we we have a constant battle. That's Yaakov and Esav. Then we learned about what turns a person into Esav that he loses his Menuchas Hanefesh. That's what that's what makes you lose everything. And then we said, well. What what makes a tzaddik? A tzaddik is somebody who always has a presence of mind, who always remembers Hashem, who always knows that the time that he's using is is actually time that 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 he's standing with Hashem, and that's that's why any money that he earns in that time is very valuable to him. And now we're moving on to the last piece, and that piece is titled "Living with Intent," and um. And that's what that's what really gives us the when we live with intent, when we think about what we're doing, that's really what helps us to remember Hashem. But the way we get to it is a very long and complicated vart. Yeah, so I want to try. I want to try to explain it. The 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 vart on the parsha here is that Yaakov hid Dina from Esau, and the Gemara says. That because Yaakov held Dina back from Esau, so he was punished that she was taken by Shechem. So in Slobodka, they asked, what did he do wrong? You don't, want, you don't want to give Dina away to Esau. So the answer they gave was that true. Yaakov was right by hiding Dina from Esau. But when he hid her, and he was even right by, by hiding her in a, in a trunk, and nailing it down. But as he was putting those nails into the into the box, as he was hammering those nails in, he did it with a little bit of a a little bit of a personal hatred against Asaf. A little bit of a personal, I don't want to call it a hatred. So there was some, there was some other motive except for the Shem Shemaim completely to keep Dina holy. Except this aside from that there was something else. So on that little Kavana, that's what his that's what the Avla was over here. That's why he's criticized. And and he says, Oh, you held back Dina, so now Dina's gonna go to Shechem. So Ramel used it as a springboard to discuss the whole idea of Kavana, how much it, it, a little bit of Kavana, how that makes all the difference. I mean I think I think that um this precisely is the difference between someone that is a Kanoi someone that um you know is uh, god's policeman um and whether he's doing it for the right reason or the wrong reason is is how much satisfaction he's getting when he's shushing at the guy in shul you see this i mean this is a, shushing in shul is a perfect example because you see people that are standing at their table or at the stander or you know, facing the wall they don't turn around they do a little and you know they they they're serious. The the the, the sounds 
that you're making is disturbing them. And they're just quietly letting you know to you know, kindly stop talking to Shul. And then there are others that, that will march around with a billboard. Some of them even put Red Miller's face in it. And they'll shove it in your face and they'll scream at you. And they'll make more, way more noise than you are making. Disturbing the Shul, but he's God's appointed messenger on this particular mitzvah. And he gets a lot of pleasure from it. He gets a lot of satisfaction from it, from from, shush, from shushing you. And I think this is where the intent, when you're doing something, and, and many of us are, on a regular basis, there are certain things we do, um, whether it's a mother in the kitchen that, that yells at her kids about uh, where the spoon, which spoon went into which sink, or, um, you know, telling off an employee about something, or... Um, Multiple examples, probably that happens daily, that Ramilla talks about the positive. I'm talking about the negative. You know, what are you actually thinking about when you're when you're doing that? So if your thoughts are pure and it just, you're not involved, involving your own emotions in it, then you're you're fine because the message is good. But you know, are you pure here? Are you? Is the message completely pure? And then uh, Miller applies this, of course, to a mitzvah, just putting more intent. You're doing it anyways. You're putting that mezuzah up anyway. You're putting tefillin on. You're putting tzitzit on. Actually, take 10 seconds and think about what you're doing, which is, which is the whole essence of Ram culture, to actually put some, some thought into your mitzvahs. But I, I think you can say the same about the opposite as well, about are, are we really being true to ourselves, which we discussed already. And I guess it's an ongoing, it's, it's one of the ongoing themes. Yeah. This, 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 this discussion about, about adding a little bit of intent, I, I, I experienced it this week. You sent, I think it was you, sent that, that clip from the Penches Braille by Karaftuni. Yes. Very so, unlike me to send it, but I thought the family would appreciate it. So he tells this story for the benefit of those watching or listening. Um, so he tells the story that the, the, the kid tells his father, Tati, I'm going OTD, I'm going off the derech. father so he says, yeah, tonight, that's it. Matzah Shabbos, tonight's the last night I'm from. Tomorrow morning, I'm completely secular. I'm a secular Jew. father starts yelling, screaming. Maybe one with the rabbi, this one, that one. Nothing doing. I'm going off the derech. So, uh, all right, so what's, what's, what's the father going to do? Sunday morning... The father gets up, 7, 7 a.m., he goes to his son's room. He sees his son got up already. The tefillin is gone. He gets to shul. He sees his son is standing there davening with Minyan. He says, okay, maybe maybe he wants to daven one last time before uh, he goes OTD. Nothing. After davening, the boy goes to yeshiva. His father comes to Mincha. The son is there. He's davening Mincha. The father thinks, okay, maybe he decided to give it one more day. Monday, Tuesday, Tuesday, the father tells the, his son, he says, what's going on? I thought you decided to go uh, to, to become secular. The son says, yeah, I did. I'm, I'm a secular Jew. The father says, what do you mean? I see you, you, you're putting on tefillin, you're davening, you're learning, you're doing everything. The son says, Tati, look, as long as I was religious, I wasn't davening enough, I wasn't learning enough, I wasn't this, I wasn't that. All of a sudden, now I'm secular. I'm davening. I'm learning. I decided better to be secular. So, <laughs> when I when I when I saw that clip, I, I I was eating breakfast. After breakfast, I decided, you know what? I'm gonna be secular now, but I'm gonna bench anyway. 
And it was a it was a very powerful benching. If you don't bench because you have to bench because you just ate, you bench because I don't know, I'm I'm completely sick of it. I want to thank Hashem. It's a it's it's a it's powerful. It's living within thinking about what you're doing. Yeah, I mean more than the joke, I think it really uh it's also part of Rigna Miller's approach to life. Like when I hear people say that about Shuvas, I'm like, really? Wow. That's it. You you can die. You're you're done. <laughs> you're Balchuva. Uh I'm still working on it. And that's the point. I'm I'm not a religious person. If I dive in with intent this morning, which I didn't really very well, then I'm a religious person as of this morning. It's it's a constant constant challenge. Quick quick story relating to this. Rabianko Galinsky says he was walking um during the siren. You know, you know with his stories, you don't know if it was actually if he if it was actually a real story or not, but it's what he says. He was walking during this the Yom HaShoah siren in Israel, where you're supposed to stop and pause for one minute in memory of the six million. And a Chiloni sees him walking. He says, Oh, where are you going? Where are you walking? It's the siren. You can't walk. So he says, Oh, I'm not religious. Not religious. <laughs> says, what do you mean you're not religious? He says, Look, I'm walking during the siren. You're uh, working and driving on Shabbos. Why, why, why do you drive on Shabbos? She says, because I'm not religious. She says, I'm not religious. You're not, you're not, you're not keeping to my religion. I don't keep to your religion. It's not a problem. Anyway, that's the, the, the whole point. That's really what, what this podcast is all about, what Ravigna Miller is all about. It's about uh, keeping to your religion and, um, and putting in that thought and thinking about what you're doing and doing it with Kavana, doing you're going you're gonna to do something. You're going to put up a mezuzah on your door. Every time you walk in the door, try to think about Hashem. Try to think about how it's not my house. Hashem gave me the house. And, um, and obviously, you're not going to think about it every time. I know. I don't think about it every time. But at least here and there, once, once a week at least, you think about Hashem when you look at the mezuzah. It makes all the difference. I used to visit a Lubavitch person's house, and on the door it said Beis Chabad. The first time was years ago. I was very young. I didn't know. It's Chabad house? It's this is their regular house, but uh, that's how they look at their house. The house, the house of mitzvahs. So it's a little reminder. So if the mezuzah is not enough to remind them, maybe we should put a little uh, little sticky note under the mezuzah to actually give us the message of the mezuzah. Thank you very much. Okay. Have a great time. Looking Shabbos. forward to next week.